This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Brady Shearer, welcome to Viral Jesus. And then a couple of years in, I'm like, I don't know if I have the relational bandwidth to be a pastor. Like, I'm seeing up close as I'm interning what these youth pastors, like what's required of them. And they're just like on call at all times. And and the teenagers, the student, like they deserve that. I don't know if I have that to give, but I still wanted to work with churches so much. And then I have this kind of media thing on that side and, and churches start coming to me like, hey, you made this really cool video. How'd you make it? And then I'm looking around in my Bible college and I'm seeing all of my peers that are my age. And I'm like, they're going to become youth pastors. They're going to become worship pastors. Yes. But like on day three, their senior leader is going to come up to them and be like, hey, apparently Facebook is a thing. Can you start a page for us? And I was like, if I'm learning these things from scratch, I know I can teach them. Everyone else is going to need these skills and I can teach people how to do it. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they've impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. Hello, friend. I have been waiting. I have been waiting to talk to you this week. I'm so excited. We have an incredible episode today. It's part two. Remember, we just decided like on the fly last week that we're doing a pod class. (laughs) It's part two of our unofficial pod class on social media and content creators. We met with Taylor Lorenz last week, and I have a full conversation to share with you from the man, the myth, the legend, Brady Shearer today. But first, instead of safe space or social toolkit, this week I have a testimony I want to share with you. I I honestly have been waiting to talk to you about this. So many of you subscribe to my newsletter. And I send out an encouraging email every Friday night by 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can sign up for that by scrolling to the bottom of my website, heatherthompsonday.com, and just typing your email into that little box and clicking subscribe. I've been doing the text message that goes out for about three years now. And then I started the email version of that last year because our text message group was full. Well, someone DM'd me a couple weeks ago who was honestly the sweetest lady who I met when my husband, Seth, was pastoring in Denver, and she was a member of our church. And I haven't spoken to her in about three years, but she DM'd me a couple weeks ago. She sent me this little message saying, of course, that she missed me and Seth. But then she goes, Heather, my mom reads your newsletter every Friday. And so your name is often on my mind because she'll text me regularly and just say that something that you had said that Friday night really connected to her. Well, last week when she mentioned your name, I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, ask Heather, she knows someone. Okay, that was the message that she heard. Ask Heather, she knows someone. And then she proceeds to ask me, and she says, this is a long shot, but by any chance, do you know someone for a position we have open at her nonprofit? Friend, oh my goodness, when I read the message, when I read the position summary, I literally, it's giving me goosebumps to even retell it, I dropped the phone. The nonprofit is called Kudavana, and it's an orphanage and a school that they support and have built in Zimbabwe. And she said, remember, her words were the Holy Spirit told her, ask Heather, she knows someone for their position. The position was for a director of their U.S. branch of this nonprofit. Listen, 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 listen. My best friend, Vimbo, 
who I've had her on the show. She worked for me for a bit. You guys know who she is. I met her when I was 19 years old. She was 15 years old. And we both worked at the same Christian summer camp. And when I met her, she's 15 years old. And I'm not making this up. We've talked about it so many times since this day. One of the first things she said to me when we were just talking about our dreams, and she's 15 years old, and she says, one day I want to build a school in my home country of Zimbabwe. And so throughout the years, we had prayed about this path for her many times. And she, she, so she becomes a principal, obviously, here in the States. And she often goes back to Zimbabwe. She's done mission work there. She's put some wells in at, at different schools in the more rural areas there. But we've never stopped praying. And we never knew how God would make that happen. But we just trusted at some point, I really think that God has that for you, Vimbo. He's going to allow you to work and build schools in Zimbabwe. So if you remember my friend Vimbo from my book, It's Not Your Turn, In It's Not Your Turn, I was praying for Vimbo at that time for a husband for her. And I told her, you know the story, I told her to get a tie and to put it in her closet because I really believed that one day God was going to send her the man that we had been praying for who would wear this tie. And I just wanted her to keep the tie as a symbol that God has heard our prayers and he is going to fulfill this promise. And you know the story. After publishing It's Not Your Turn, she had the tie in her pocket. Her dress had pockets. She had the tie in her pocket at the wedding, and we shared this story, this speech, and it was just very, I can't even tell you, the Holy Spirit. I've never been to a wedding where the Holy Spirit was just like literally converting souls at the wedding. It was just an incredible testimony. Well, her and David, they get married. Um, He works for the military, Thank you for your service. And so they get relocated to Washington, D.C. So Vimbo has just moved, and she had to leave her position as a principal in Florida. So she has been unemployed, and she's praying and trying to figure out what she wants to do and where she's going to work. She still has this dream about working with schools in Zimbabwe. We have no idea how that could ever happen. She's praying for a remote position. She's an incredible administrator, and I mean incredible. I mean, an awesome fundraiser. She literally doubled the size of the last school that she was the principal for. She's just a very skilled, smart, savvy person. And so here I am a couple weeks ago reading this lady's DM, all because I was sending out these newsletters for the past year. And only like, I only have like 2,000 people who read this newsletter, right? And this lady is one of them. And as she reads it, she tells her daughter. And her daughter, as she hears about it, feels like God tells her, do you remember, Heather? Ask Heather. She knows somebody about this position at her nonprofit. And so I send the summary of the position to Vimbo. And she connects with the nonprofit. And at the time you will be listening to me telling you this story, she will be on day two of her job, a remote job with Kudavana, serving this orphanage in her home country. And they have a school. Oh my goodness, you guys, I have goosebumps. By the way, if you want to donate... If you have offering that you want to donate, oh my goodness, what a great organization for you to support. Feel free to contact Vimbo. You can find her on my Instagram and and she'll connect you with how to make a donation to Kudavana. But my goodness, friend, it's going to make me cry. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I can't tell you how many times in the last, especially like over the summer, that Vimbo was feeling so stuck and so frustrated. And she was so happy, of course, to have gotten married, but she gave up her career to to be with her husband and to support him in hers. And she was feeling so forgotten. It's making me cry. And then you guys, like the most beautiful door that God could have ever opened for her, he opens. She was waiting on God to open something that felt like specific to like her giftings and the things that she's been doing and what she's passionate about. And here, God opens a door for her to have a full-time job serving. Her parents are in Zimbabwe right now. She gets to go back through her job now and go, of course, and serve the orphanage in the school, which by the way, we talked about when she was 15 years old. No idea that this is how it would come into fruition. 
But she gets to go and see her family and her friends and her parents and, and visit the school and just see God in just the most incredible way. And I am so honored that I even get to tell you about what God is doing. I think I said this on one of my devotionals, but friend, I just need you to understand we do not have to tell everybody about our theology you do not have to try to convince people as to why you're a Christian or, or try to prove to people that you're doing the right thing. And, and here, let me give you a Bible study. Like there might be moments of that and God will let you know when that season is. But let me tell you what every single Christian must do. And that is to simply tell people what you've experienced. That's it. Tell people what you've experienced. Tell them about the God who has known you and sustained you and has seen you, who puts dreams on hearts of 15-year-old girls. And then over, I don't know, 20 years later almost, brings them to fruition. I want you to know, because I, I just know that there is somebody listening to this who is so stuck right now and is praying for maybe it's a spouse or a house or a job and you just feel like no one's ever, nobody remembers me. Nobody sees me. I just want you to know, friend, God sees you and God knows your name. And he, trust me on this, the Holy Spirit will whisper your name in rooms you have no business being in outside of knowing the great networker that is Jesus Christ. His eyes scan the earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those who love him. I am so excited to finally have Brady on a full episode. He has joined us countless times on Social Toolkit. And I always say to him, every single time we hang up from Social Toolkit, I'm like, hey, we got to do a full episode, man. <laughs> I want to sit down with you. I want my people to know your entire story. And we always say it. It's like one of those things I think that millennials do where you're like, yeah, we should do that sometime. And then you never do it. Hey, we finally made it happen. And it was just the best conversation. Brady Shearer is the director of Pro Church Tools. His work focuses on helping churches navigate the biggest communication shift in 500 years. Here is my conversation with Brady Shearer. Okay, I love to do a little bit of stalking before I have somebody on the show. I stalk your social media already because I'm constantly pulling your stuff for our social toolkit. But here is something I found from you. Did I find this on, I can't remember if it was your Instagram or your YouTube, but you say this, the number one most overlooked rule for social media, when you find a post framework that works, reuse it. Tell us about that. Sure. You're like, you know, social media is not easy, right? Social media is challenging. Uh, and that's because it's this confluence of about, you know, a dozen different factors that are all contributing to a post success or failure. And so when you do stumble across something that your audience resonates with, perhaps uh, even beyond your audience, you're getting more broad reach than you typically would on an average post, that means that, hey, I, I figured out something here that people are enjoying. And so, you know, we always say, repeat the best, forget the rest, and continue to test. And so if you are publishing a type of content and, and something about it, you know, you've tried it a couple of different times, you don't want to take too many conclusions off of one post, but you've published this type of post framework, two, three, four, five, it's just not hitting. It's okay to, you know, forget that. When you do have a post framework that's doing really well, keep with it. So for instance, my own Instagram, uh, I was experimenting with different types of carousels, big fan of carousels personally. And there was a really simple design that I did one time where the cover of this carousel was just a, a single colored background and then like big block text. Mm. You know, typically I've got like little graphic elements, little arrows, little scribbles. I've got maybe my face on there. I'm smiling. I'm doing a weird YouTube face. And then there's like the, the big title, the headline, the hook. I stripped all that away, just went plain background and hook. Headline, nothing else. And those types of posts were resonating way more. Mm. 
Mm. And I don't know if it's because they were a little bit stripped down, so they seem a bit more authentic and less produced, and so people have their guard down a bit more, they're willing to engage. Who knows? That's kind of the point. You can have theories, but social is so complex that we never know for sure. But what I do know is that type of post framework works for me. So I keep going to it again and again. The final piece of that stanza though, Heather, is continue to test. You always wanna reserve a small amount of your social media content, your social media calendar for something that you haven't done before because the type of content that you stumble upon that works really well, you only stumble upon that when you continue to test. And there was a time when I had never done carousel posts like that. And if I had never continued testing, I never would have stumbled upon that, that new winner uh, in the first place. I just had a question as I was listening to you. I was thinking about Instagram Lives. Do you ever do Instagram Lives? And do you think that those are an important tool to use? Yeah, I think Lives can play a really critical role in your Instagram strategy overall. My, my feeling with these types of things is establishing a sustainable rhythm and routine is what's most important on social. We call this no weeks off. Uh, and that is the prerequisite to seeing long-term success on social. And success for you can mean anything. It can just mean connecting with people on the other side of the device, right? And so for me, I am doing carousel posts, I'm doing reels, I'm doing stories. And I don't yet have the bandwidth to add a live. And I wouldn't wanna just do one live. Mm. So for me, if I was gonna do that, the, the best practice is, is typically one live per week, and I don't yet have the bandwidth for that, yeah. uh, but it's always something that you, know, you want to continue expanding upon. So if you are already crushing it on Instagram, kind of in all those other verticals, and you want to expand into a different content format, I think live is absolutely useful part of any uh, toolkit for a creator. How are you using your story? I used to love stories. I was super faithful with them telling a story literally in my stories throughout the day. And then I just got super burned out from it. And now I just share my post to my story, which that's probably not a good thing to do. What are you doing in your stories? Well, stories have really, really changed over the past few years for a while because they were that novel new feature on Instagram and other social platforms. It was the place where you could really like break through the noise and connect to people. Yeah. And we have seen our responses go down. I used to get dozens of DMs a day in response to stories. Same. And then it wasn't happening as much. And so what you start to recognize there is okay, it seems like maybe the, the wave is shifting a bit on social. Mm. And what I always tell you know creators or in my context, churches specifically, is you never want to like fight the wave. If you imagine standing in the ocean, you know, if you try to go against the waves and they just keep crashing over you, over you, over you, you lose. The waves will eventually knock you down. It's much smarter to just ride the wave than to fight against it. And so when we see these kind of global changes on social media, take note of them and then I adjust accordingly. That being said, I do still find that really off-the-cuff content does elicit replies and responses on Instagram stories, just not to the same degree that it once did. And so what I'm trying to do right now is continue to test on Instagram stories. Mm. Um, so yesterday, uh, I was in Vermont last week, you know, Christian boy Autumn, enjoying a great time, and <laughs> took a bunch of photos. So I did like a photo dump on my Instagram story. And I was like, okay, kind of seeing like, I don't usually do that type of thing. I'm not like a photo dump type of person. Big fan, but doesn't really align with my content strategy. But I was like, okay, if there's ever a place to do this, it's, it's Instagram stories. It's gonna expire in 24 hours. Right. And along the same vein of continuing to test, one of the best things that you can do is test content in different formats where the stakes are lower. and. Mm. Stakes can't be lower than on a platform where the posts expire. So you got right. to kind of test something on Instagram stories, see how people are responding. And then maybe from there, you move it over to a feed post. And if it does really well there, maybe then you move it over to a YouTube video. And you can kind of like graduate the content up the hierarchy as it were. I've never thought about this before, but now I'm wondering if maybe Instagram stories have changed because... Instagram is now so vertical video because now I'm seeing so many videos of people that I'm following. I don't feel the need as much to check their story to see a video. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's really insightful. And that's also why on these multi-format platforms now, which virtually every platform is, you have to kind of consider if I'm going to publish two stories, how is it going to be distinct from the feed? Mm. And, you know, we have this rule in, uh, in the church world. And we call it the 50% the rule. 
And the point of that rule is for church-wide promotions, whether it be emails, but really specifically announcements. I'm trying to tell churches, if your announcement does not apply to more than 50% of the congregation, it doesn't warrant a church-wide promotion. So it doesn't mm. warrant a stage announcement on a Sunday if what you're talking about doesn't apply to at least 50% of the people. It doesn't mean 50% of the people have to actually attend, but is it relevant to them? Because what happens is if you continue to make announcements over and over again that don't apply to the majority of people, then what you're doing is you're conditioning your congregation mm. to tune you out. And then you ask, well, why does no one kind of like pay attention to our announcements? Well, you've basically indirectly told them that they're not relevant to them. So same kind of principle to stories, if all we're ever doing is publishing promos to our feed posts, hey, come check the feed post, eventually we're going to condition <laughs> our audiences, and I do this as well, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. this is not relevant for me, <laughs> and you know, every algorithm on Instagram, and Masseri has come out and said this, is distinct. So the feed algorithm is different from the stories algorithm, which is different from the reels algorithm, mm. but if all you're doing is promoting a different format, on the multi-format platform, then you're not using stories for what it right. could be used for. And so I always try to consider like, what am I gonna do uniquely in this content format? And that kind of brings me back to live. We have a podcast that does question and answers already. So like live is typically like a Q and A. And it would be distinct because we're interacting back and forth in real time. But I already kind of do that on the podcast. So what am I gonna do on live that's different from anything else. And the same is going for stories. You know, I'm continuing to test right now and have a bunch of different things. And, you know, if you follow me, you'll probably see like a bunch of different things on Instagram stories as I'm kind of trying to throw stuff against the wall and seeing what is sticking in 2023 and 2024. Really looking forward to that. My friend Logan tweeted recently, he was talking about people sharing things to their stories. I felt personally shot at because he said, we already saw it on your feed we didn't like it the first time, stop sharing it a second time. I was like, he's probably absolutely talking to me. I am really interested in hearing what your relationship with social media was like before you were working in social media. Actually, how old were you when you first were navigating the online space? And was it fun for you? Did you enjoy it? Or has this always been something that you've been more like academically studying and interested in? Yeah. So I was born in 91. So I was on MySpace, you know, top eight friends. MySpace. Like, yes. <laughs> one of the OGs. Yeah. And then it was, yeah, I'm Canadian. So we didn't have AOL messenger. We had something, we had MSN messenger in my country. Okay. Um, so that was kind of like sixth grade kind of predating social media. But I remember in 10th grade, one of my friends in youth group, came up to me and she said like, we're done with MySpace, bro. Like it's Facebook now. <laughs> Let it go. And I was like, no way. I'm not jumping on Facebook. I don't need honesty box. I don't need anonymous mail, mail from people in high school. That's just not right. what I need right now. What I need is top eight friends. I need drama inducing <laughs> ranking of friendships as an adolescent. But eventually I move over to Facebook and I was like, okay, I think my friend, uh, she had something right here. That Facebook's pretty cool. So like, I was first a recreational user of social okay. media. And so I go off to Bible college. I have my degree in youth ministry and theology, studied to become a youth pastor. And I get an internship in my second year, not in the youth department, but at a church plant as the media director. So they kind of like give me a camera. It was a Canon Rebel T3i back in the day. It's amazing to think how far camera tech has come. You know, iPhone 15 is now. But they like bought it for you? Well, well, I mean, it was the churches, but oh, I was, okay. you know, the intern media director. Twenty. But did hours they look at you and say, Brady, we're going to get this camera, and we want you to use? Like, were they investing in you in that way, or was it already there in the church basement? And they were like, Do you know how to work this? I'm not certain, but okay. we did buy new camera gear in that first year. Wow. It was it was two lead pastors, and both of them were very much like, Hey, we recognize that you don't have a ton of expertise in this area, but we see something in you. And we're confident that you can pick up the skills on the fly. And so they kind of. And how old that. were you at this time? So I was 21. Okay. Yeah. So second year of Bible college, um, you know, I was engaged to be married. My wife and I got married a year later, uh, about as, you know, inexperienced as green as one can be. Yeah. That was where the crossover happened because I'm like, hey, guys, social media, it's a big thing. I remember I, I published something to the church's social media. And it's fascinating seeing even accounts like Elevation Youth and these um, churches that have now younger influences publishing, because I remember it was like 2012 and I published like this 
watermelon exploding video. It was like this viral video at the time. And I published it to the church's Facebook page and the, the pastors bring me in. They're like, look, I don't think this is what we need on this. Ocean. I was like, guys, no, no. So what you don't understand is that you need engagement. They're like, yeah, but what does this have to do with church? I was like, you know what? In 2023, you know, you'll understand. Uh, but they were always very patient with me and uh, understanding. But that was when the crossover really took place from like just personal use completely to, okay, how are we going to use this in the context of, you know, industry and church and business and that sort of thing? What I love about that story is that all of this for you in some ways was like, it's not an accident, but like a Christ incident, right? Like you have no idea when you're 21 running this camera that God is going to use you in this way to eventually influence hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches right? For their social media. And yet the only way you got to that point was by showing up at 21 and posting a watermelon video on somebody's face. In spite of the watermelon video. And look at you today. Here you are. How long actually did it take for you to go from posting the watermelon video and trying to figure this thing out to starting a company that teaches people how to figure this thing out? Yeah. So for context, we've been Pro Church Tools is my company. We've been in business for a decade now. You know, I oversee dozens of employees and team members, you know, millions in annual budget and spending. We have wow. 140,000 YouTube subscribers, you know, 90,000 Instagram followers. Our email list is, you know, 50,000 churches. Like it's it's kind wow. of like those numbers don't mean anything. Like you can't truly wrap your mind around what those numbers actually mean because 10 years ago, I was in a one bedroom apartment in the most northern major metropolis on the continent, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Like, if you've ever seen that show Ice Road Truckers, like, that's where it's filmed. Like, mm. they don't plow the roads. It's six months of winter. Yes, Canadian stereotypes are typically not real, except for this <laughs> one place where they are real. <laughs> and it was just me and my, my wife, and she was working insurance during the day, and she worked at West Edmonton Mall in retail in the evening, and I'm at home, like, in a bathrobe all day doing, you know, remote studies in my third year of Bible college. And then also I'm like, oh, honey, I built a WordPress theme today. And she's like, this is the man I married. First year of marriage. This is what, <laughs> all right, well, canned, you know, Stick this soup out. for dinner again, because that's all that we can afford. And, you know, things pick up pretty quickly. But you hit on a really crucial element, which is like, there was a huge timing and luck element to all of this. And, and this is mm. what, you know, I, I try to tell my, my children now. Uh, we have two daughters, my wife and I. It's like, hey, like you can work really hard and you can be really talented. But you know, if you're in a bad time, if the timing isn't right, that's something that you can't control. When they all work together, yes. that's great. But you can only control two of those three variables. And so the timing element was huge. You know, I come on the scene, I'm like, social media, and everyone's like, nobody cares. But I cared. And so I kept publishing about it. Right. And I could see where the trajectory of the world was going because the church world is typically five to 10 years behind everyone else. And so I could right, see what was happening right. in the tech world. I was like, I, this, is, this is going to affect every single industry. We always say biggest communication shift in 500 years. We're now dealing with the fallout of like indiscriminate embracing of digital media. And we're all like, maybe, maybe that wasn't great that we just like considered, hey, we don't need any rules. Let's just embrace this in its fullness. Right. Back then, I could kind of see like, this is going to be a big deal. No industry is going to be able to escape the changes that are going to be happening. And so eventually, when people, you know, turn their attention towards that, and they would search like, how to help my church with their Facebook page? Oh, there I am with a blog post or a YouTube video that we had published. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today.
what is your relationship with the Holy Spirit like? Are you like a Holy Spirit guy where you feel like you get promptings? I'm trying to understand how you decided to create this company. What was that process like? Like, how did you take that leap? Yeah, so I grew up in a Baptist church, Holy Spirit, not really a thing, very cessationist. Then I went to a Pentecostal youth group, and that was where I met my now wife and where for the first time ever, like I felt as a human being, like in a group of people that accepted me for who I was. You know, I grew up playing a ton of sports, but I was also quite academic. So never really fit with the jocks, never really fit with uh, the quote unquote nerds. And then in church, like all of my weird eccentricities are being accepted because people are like, God loves mm. you, man. I'm like, okay, faith. This is starting to become mine for real. And I just, because I love church so much, I wanted to be a pastor. Cause I was like, I just, what my youth pastor did for yeah. me, I want to be able to do that for others. So I go to Bible mm. college. And, you know, it was a really cool time because like half of our graduating class from youth group, we all went to the same Bible college. We all moved across the country to go to this Bible college. And then a couple of years in, I'm like, I don't know if I have the relational bandwidth to be a pastor. Like I'm seeing up close as I'm interning what these youth pastors, like what's required of them. And they're just like on call at all times. Yeah. And, and the teenagers, the student, like they deserve that. I don't know if I have that to give, right. but I still wanted to work with churches so much. And then I have this kind of media thing on that side and, and churches start coming to me like, hey, you made this really cool video. How'd you make it? And then I'm looking around in my Bible college and I'm seeing all of my peers that are my age. And I'm like, they're going to become youth pastors. They're going to become worship pastors. Yes. But like on day three, their senior leader is going to come up to them and be like, hey, apparently Facebook is a thing. Can you start a page for us? And I was like, if I'm learning these things mm. from scratch, I know I can teach them. Everyone else is going to need these skills. And we all wear multiple hats in church. They're not going to have professionals at least for a very long time in these places in most churches, but I yeah. can teach people how to do it. And so I just start teaching everything that I'm learning. And my best man at my wedding comes, he's like, what if we start at the company? We call it Pro Church Tools, like worst company name ever. <laughs> it's terrible, but like, that's the name. Okay, we're running with it. But he like bought me a domain on like GoDaddy. And he's like, hey, like just start it. I'm like, okay, I'm blogging. My mom's like, She's reading all my posts because they're just trash. She's like rewriting. <laughs> She's an English major. She's like, okay, your grammar's terrible. I don't know how you're even graduating. Like honors. Yeah, okay, if they say so. <laughs> and, and so it was all just, you know, when you're 21, you don't have anything to lose. And this is another yeah. part of the timing. It's not, I can go mm, all in good. for this because I made $1,200 a month at the church. And my like, yes, my wife was working two jobs and it was not a fun time. We look back at that time and it's like extremely stress-filled. And, yeah. you know, no son, six months of the year. Yeah. doesn't help, but we didn't have much to lose. So it's like, we could go all out. And like most things in life, you start to like get this feedback loop where you do something and, and it works. I, I'll never forget the first time that a church like bought one of our things online. Hmm. And I, I called my, my mom because she was like building the WordPress set with me because she did like code back in 95, you know, what? When new. Yeah, she's a legend. So, uh, I call her and I was like, mom, like someone gave me money, like a church. And she was like, actually, because the number of times that she was like, I support you, honey, but like, you're not going to make money on the internet. So I called out, I did it. And then an hour later, I get an email from this church and they were like, hey, like, we think this was a mistake. We need a <laughs> refund. And I, I'll never forget, like, I was broken. Like, I, I think I remember crying because I was like, Aww. like, my work was just rejected. The first person that yeah. paid me rejected. After you had praised the Lord. I know oh, that feeling. I know I'm that calling feeling. mom. I'm like, yeah, yeah we I'm really different. It. I'm like that. You said it wouldn't happen. I'm like that. <laughs> and then, I remember praying like, cause I would only be able to work from like five till 8 a.m. in the morning before going off to school. I remember praying one morning. I was like, Lord, like I just need like three churches to pay for this thing. And it'll replace like my church income. Like that's all I need. And yeah. then over like the next three months, like church signed up. I'll never forget this church in Jacksonville. That was 10 years ago. They still use our products today. Another church signs up, another church signs up. And then you're like, wait a minute, if I can make like $1,000 a month online, you just start to have this confidence and self-belief. And I think mm. to be an entrepreneur or to kind of be your own boss, like you have to have a level of like delusion because like to believe mm. that you can do something that no one else is doing, you have to be pretty delusional to think that you're the difference. Like I'm the different person. And when you have a couple early successes, I think this was a Steve Jobs quote. He says, like, one of the worst things that you can get as a young person is success because then you just like think you're always right. And that's a butchered paraphrase of the mm. quote. But the other side of that is that when you don't have much confidence, you can start to think, oh, 
this is going to work for me. I can do this. And that's kind of what propels you forward. I resonate with your story in a lot of ways. I remember my whole reason for starting in ministry, honestly, was because um, I had lost a job and we were so poor. My sister was leaving diapers on our doorstep and pretending it wasn't her. And I'm praying to God for direction. And a church had read one of my books and asked me to come out and speak. And, and that's, I had never spoken before. And it wasn't even like this Holy Spirit calling that I feel now at the time. I was just trying to figure out how to put diapers on my kids. And one thing led to another. And I just think it's really important that we tell stories like that because so many people are still sitting in somebody asking them for the refund or sitting saying, I don't know how to put a diaper on my baby right now. And they can't see what God could still be calling them into until they hear you share your story. So I thank you for sharing that. Did you have entrepreneurial family or friends? Like who was the, what were you looking at for you to even see that this was possible? Yeah. My, my dad was a firefighter and my mom was a librarian. And so that's kind of like what I knew, um, you know, civil servants, humble Canadian civil servants. Uh, what was exposing me to this? You know, these silly blogs. Ah. It was like, make money on the internet. <laughs> and like, there are some that were just really good. And they were like, no, like this is a real thing. The world is changing. I know you're skeptical, but here's how we're doing it. You can do it as well. And I would just listen to these podcasts and, you know, buy these courses and they would have really good tips. And then you would try something and you would try a hundred things and one of them works. You're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And, you know, you repeat the best, forget the rest, continue to test. <laughs> it doesn't just apply to social. Yeah, no, no people in, in real life, just all, you know, internet people, internet mentors. <laughs> is your best friend still an owner of the company with you? Oh, no, he just, he just bought me the domain. Oh! And then what, he transferred it to me because he was, he was like 10 years older than me. And he was just like, his 10 bucks, bro. Like, just, just do it, you know? Like, and I was like, okay, like, yeah, I don't have 10 bucks. So that's fine. Thanks. <laughs> so your best friend named your company. Yeah. He said, I remember the email. There was like, you know, 20 names. They're all terrible. And, you know, pro church tools, three words was the best one. So you can imagine what some of the other ones were, you know, I think you just put it into like a naming randomizer, like old internet tools. Like, okay. Church and professional and like, you know, media. It's like, oh, pro church tools. Okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> So what has your transition looked like from that to where you are right now? What are some of like the leadership things that you've had to learn along the way, especially not having an entrepreneurial role model in front of you? Yeah, I mean, you just make about 100 mistakes every single year mm. along the way. I think what I'm really grateful for is that I never had like an overnight like viral moment it was all just very slow and steady growth over a decade, which is probably why I always preach like, hey, sustainable approach, you know, social, stick with it for the long run. This isn't like a thing that happens overnight. Uh, of course, ironically, in the discovery era of social that we're in now, you right. literally can gain tens of thousands of followers overnight. I see some of the other people in my space that are coming up now and like they already like have such big followings because they've yeah. had a couple videos pop off, at least for me at my age, you know, like I'm, I'm 32 now been in business for a decade, the growth of the company has been gradual. So then your competency and your character kind of grows with yeah. the income and the influence that you have, which has been very good because, you know, a 20 something person, a 32 year old person, like we don't have that much figured out. Like you know, I right. see what's happening in the world, even this week. And I'm like looking from afar and I'm like, Hmm, I don't really know very much about any of these things. I know, and I know. And I, listen and I, I stay informed as best as I can. And you're still like, wow, this is very complex. You know, right. I stay in my lane with social and I know a lot about that. Uh, but thankfully, yeah, it, it's been gradual. So you can pick things up along the way. And one really practical example of this is I think I neglected core competencies for a long time. And what I mean by that is it, it, with our team, we have this, uh, this, this concept that we talk about pretty frequently. We call it the Steph Curry effect. And Steph Curry is a basketball player. And he's, uh, he's, he's small relative to basketball players anyway. And he's the best shooter in the history of basketball. So he's good at this really one, one at this one thing, better than anyone that's ever walked the, the planet Earth. But he's small. And so that can be a weakness for him because teams can target him because he's so small. Mm. If he wasn't able to like reach core competency, as we call it, on defense, 
his greatness would have never been able to shine through because he wouldn't have been able to even stay on the floor long enough. And the idea is that like, we all have strengths and weaknesses and we wanna double down on our strengths. Yeah. Don't, don't wanna be like perfectly even across the board. It's not realistic, it's not worth pursuing. Double down on your strengths, but for your weaknesses, you have to raise them to what we call that level of core competency, where they're not actively hurting your strengths. Mm. And I think for the longest time, like, I just like was like, no, no, double down on strengths, double down on strengths, double down on strengths. And I would say things like, oh, I'm just not a good people manager. Like, you know, you kind of put self limitations on and say, oh, I don't do this well, I don't do this well. And eventually those things start to catch up with you and they actually hurt your strengths. And you realize, oh, okay, I need to like shore up these, these weaknesses, to just get them to competency level. They're never going to mm. be strengths. You know, Steph Curry is never going to be this huge guy, but as long as he's not a weakness there, his greatness and what he is good at can shine through. You said that you have a podcast. What is the name of that? Oh, you're going to love this. The Pro Church Tools Show. Because we're stuck with this name. Sticking with that theme. What are your thoughts on podcasting? Actually, I'm curious about that. We have a, that's probably one of the number one things people write in and ask me about. How do I start a podcast? What do you see as the future of podcasting? Yeah, I love podcasting. We've been podcasting for as long as the company's have been around. Have you really? That is amazing to me. Yeah, the day we're recording this, like tomorrow, we'll publish episode number 770. So we've done a lot of podcasts. Wow. And we just added the video portion this year. We rebuilt our entire studio, and now we have a really great video setup to go along with our audio setup. But yeah, Pro Church Tools, Brady Shearer, search it in your podcast player of choice. You can find the archives. I, someone sent me the other day the first episode, and it was like, the future of church media. And I don't think it was quite 10 years ago. I think it was 20... No, no, it was 2013. Yeah, it was from 2013. And, and they're like, this is a timely episode. And I was like, I knew it. 10 years, people <laughs> finally came around to what I've been saying. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think what I love about podcasts is the companionship element. The podcasts that I listen to the most are ones that you kind of come for the content, but you stay for the companionship. So you come because yeah. you're like, oh, this is an interest that I have. But then you stick around because like you really enjoy the personality. And so what we've done with our show is it's me and my co-host, Alex. And Alex and I in real life are, you know, best friends, but we also work together. He's a bivocational pastor, but he's one of the employees at our company. And so what people get to come to our show for is to figure out how to navigate the biggest communication shift in 500 years. We talk about web and social and branding and communications and digital and all that. But you also get to sit in on two best friends as they answer questions yeah. and the banter kind of comes up organically. And so you kind of get to have this like indirect friendship, this like friendship that you, people come up to you, this surely happened you're like, I feel like I know you. And yeah. Like, yeah, I understand. Like I listen to podcasts as well and I, I totally understand that feeling. And so very bullish on podcasts. The big challenge for those, you know, writing in and saying, how do you start it? Is that like podcasts don't have a great distribution channel. Pardon me, I should say they have great distribution. They don't have a great discovery channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has changed in the last few years, you know, with the, uh, you know, TikTok excerpts of a uh, podcast and YouTube is getting into podcasts in a very big way. And so my hope is that what Apple has not done a great job of, which is allowing shows to be discovered, yeah. we'll start to see that um, on other platforms. Uh, you know, back in the day when we started the podcast, I have screenshots of, you know, the first year or two. It's like, you know, it's Furtick, it's Saddleback, and it's me. Because like, there really weren't that many podcasts. Oh, wow. Nowadays, we're not so high up on those charts, you know, uh, because we're <laughs> a little bit more niche. Uh, right. well, always have been, but more podcasts. So the, the discovery factor is tough. And there's a reason why most podcasts never even get past that 10 episode mark, which is kind of that infamous podcast statistic, which is the vast majority of shows don't get past that. Um, because you can look at the data and look at the stats on your show and you can feel discouraged. Like no one's listening yeah. to this. No one's finding this. And so getting them on YouTube, getting them excerpt wise on reels and TikTok can be useful to get that initial discovery. But podcasts as a platform, they're all about depth. They're not about width. Mm -hmm. So of all the platforms, you're probably going to see the least like the smallest distribution numbers on podcasts, but they're going to be kind of like the yes. strongest fans that you have. Your anchors. I totally agree with you. I saw a YouTube post that you did that you said, why threads is doomed. Brady, you don't like threads? Talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I was right. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm on threads. I needed a space as a refugee from Twitter and I've ended up on threads and I enjoy my threads community. Well, the point you're making is, is a good one because what we have begun to see is what I call the stratification of social media. And 
You know, I talked about me on Facebook and MySpace back in the day, right? Early on, a new platform would come out, we would all jump on that new platform. And as social media has evolved and matured, we've started to see this stratification where certain generations are almost kind of sticking with the platform that they first found love with. <laughs> and this is like music, this is like fashion, right? Like Jerry Seinfeld has that great stand-up bit, famous from years ago, where he's like, your dad is dressing in the decade he felt most alive. And he yeah. dresses that way because it's like, that was when life was good. We, we had Canadian Thanksgiving last weekend. Pardon me if that's dating the timestamp of this episode. <laughs> like, you know no. how this works, bro. No, I won't. Nobody knows when Canadian Thanksgiving is. Ha, jokes on the Americans. We know you don't know anything about us. So you don't know when that happened. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We had it last weekend. People are going to Google right exactly. now. Exactly. Well, good. Learn about our country. This is great. We know a lot about you. Uh, so we went to, I'm not bitter. We went to my grandparents' house and we were driving home. And my wife's like, isn't it crazy how like, it's like walking into a time capsule with the design and decor of the home. And I was like, yeah, because when you're 85, you're not like, let's do a big rental project. And let's get rid of all the heirlooms that we've collected over the lifetime that we've been married and start fresh with like, you know, Japan D design, because that's trendy right now. It's like, what do you think about that? Their decor is like based on when things were, you know, the best for them or like, you know, when right. they cared about that thing. And so it's almost like it is a time capsule. And socials become the same way. Like, you know, boomers are more on Facebook and the millennials are more on Instagram and Gen uh, Z is more on TikTok. Gen Alpha, they're on YouTube Shorts because they were given the app yeah. and they weren't allowed any social, but they were on YouTube. And so short came along and so that's where they start. And you're seeing the stratification of social. The reason that really long answer is important is because what it means is you can find places like Threads, you know, pockets now where it doesn't have to be the platform that everyone's on. Like, no, I- My time capsule. No, no, not necessarily, not necessarily. <laughs> but the group of people that are like, hey, we're interacting with Heather here. And yeah, the distribution is not as broad. It's not as wide reaching, but the depth is greater. And this yeah, is kind yeah, of yeah. this new evolution of social as the industry matures because it used to be only with, with, with. You know, and you'd publish on Facebook. I have 33,000 followers on Facebook and you'll be 28 likes. And you're like, okay, something, is, <laughs> something, something doesn't really hit right here. In the set. Something's off, you know? So. Brady Shearer is the director of Pro Church Tools and your podcast is The Pro Church Tools Show. Nailed it. You guys could, I nailed it. You guys could type that in. Brady, our show is called Viral Jesus. What do you think it means to be a Christian online? I think it means being, uh, being measured and mm. taking to heart the uh, scriptural emphasis to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Uh, I think it's never been easier to publish our thoughts and opinions online. And hey, that's rich coming from me, right? I alluded to this earlier, like staying in my lane. I have done a yeah. lot of talking before on maybe like topics that I don't know enough about to speak authoritatively. And when you do have a following, really you can speak on anything and people will be like, wow, I like that or I don't like that. <laughs> And, you know, I think just being slow to speak, quick to listen in terms of social is uh, probably a good thing for us all. Brady Shearer is the director of Pro Church Tools. You can check See, out his it, show. Right? Terrible name, people. Pro Terrible Church name. Tools right there. Show. And you can find him on YouTube. I mean, literally, he's on all the social platforms, even our time capsule. Are you on threads? Uh, I am on threads. Yes, you can find he's me. He's on there. the time capsule, too, friends. You can find him there. Brady, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So what did we learn from our conversation with Brady Shearer? Number one, if you are publishing to your stories on Instagram, think about how to make sure it is distinct from your feed posts. What are you doing there that is different and unique to the space that is Instagram stories? There's a great way to be more connected to people through Instagram stories. Number two, 10 years ago, Brady Shearer was in a one-bedroom apartment in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, in his bathrobe, trying to make his business work on nothing but like dreams and prayers. And today they have 140,000 YouTube subscribers, 90,000 Instagram followers, and a church email list of 50,000 Friend, I want to remind you of the quote by Steve Jobs. Most people overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in 10 years. 
as you set your goals, we're, we're coming into the new year here soon. As you set your goals, don't just think of it as one year. Think about the long game. Think about the next 10. How different could your life look 10 years from now if you start being really faithful and intentional today? Number three, when Brady sold his first package to a church, they called back after he had already celebrated and asked for a refund. He could have quit. He could have let that defeat just say, you know what, I am done. This is embarrassing and, and just let it crush him. But he didn't. He kept showing up. He kept showing up one day at a time. And now he has literally served thousands and just thousands of churches. His impact, I don't even think we can quantify how many different people have been impacted through his work. And so that's what I just want you to take in today. You're just going to keep showing up. Here's all I know. The only way to make sure nothing changes for you in whatever dream it is you have is for you to quit trying. That's the only way. What I want you to do is maybe you're tired, maybe you're exhausted, maybe your heart hurts. It's okay to lay down and just rest today. But I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to get back up and we're going to try again tomorrow. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Join me next week for my conversation with Dorcas Chang Tozen. Also, don't forget on Monday for the rest of 2023, I'll share a little devotional with you. It's always under 10 minutes, so you can listen while you go to work or drop your kids at school, but my hope is that it helps all of us face our week together in faith. I'll see you next week for another conversation where a viral Jesus guest talks and you and I listen so we can learn. I, I just love growing with you on Viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.